good people. It's Shredge. It's Stone. And we are on day two of our Kanye praise. That's right. This podcast is dedicated only to Kanye West. We're going to follow up with his initial Psalms of Kanye. That will be College Dropout. We'll be playing selections from that record, um, interpreted by Ethiopian monks <laughs> on sitar, because we, we're doing it in the world music style. <laughs> And then that's it. Nah, good, good evening, folks. Be, this will be a Kanye-free podcast. Bro. Garen fucking teed from I, this point on. I wish the people could see my puzzled expression. No, this is all I'm no like, more. I'm like, this was not. I didn't get that no memo. More. The, the, the devil's gone. The, the devil's gone. I, 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 I am born again free of no. Kanye. Well, free. we're back We're back in hell. No, nope. free. We're, free, we're back in hell. free, free, free. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a wrap for me. This is the number one album in the country. Number one album coming. But you know what I heard? Fucking, I think this Rolling Stone has their own billboard shit. Selena fucking Gomez. Apparently beats whatever the single shit is, whatever however Kanye charted in Rolling Stones imaginary fucking thing. Who is a Selena Gomez fan? Yo, obviously not us. But I'm saying like literally who? <laughs> like where now her acting? I get I get I get the idea of where she's somebody where you know she came Bro. to that Disney kind of system. Yeah. They kind of liked her 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 shows. They kind of liked the movie she popped in. Maybe even some of those songs around that. But who? Because like right now, her fans gonna be in like late twenties. They've they've been paying rents. They got college loans. Like real life has fucking happened. Well, you think you think they're just gonna switch to Megan the Stallion? I I'd switch. I mean, like this is the time of where. So like to be awesome, like maybe go listen to the Selena Gomez. This is gonna hit me in my soul. Now I'll be eating ramen noodles because I decided to go off my my friends. <laughs> And I Ubered home and I realized my Mecca account is short. The Selena Gomez is going to fucking sue with me. So, yeah. Anybody out there, if you like Selena Gomez, please write us in and tell us why. Dude, Explain. I just step away from your coastal bias. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez. I'm just saying, like, I look, I, I feel that in my years of being immature, you know what I'm saying? I have a unique lens into many age groups. Many age groups, many demographics, you know what I'm saying? I I, I cry at Heathers, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I understand a lot of things, a lot of things I shouldn't understand as a as an older black man, but Selena Gomez, don't uh, don't understand. Weekend, shout me out. I don't I understand you. What were you doing, dog? I mean, hey. Some crossover pill too. No, yeah. she good. She good. Insane. But anyway, on to our non-Kanye West related news. <laughs> We're gonna start off with the return. Speaking of the unwoke going into the woke, Rage Against the Machine is oh back in session. You know what I'm saying? You had the Prophets of Rage project, which basically was had you had B Real from Cypress Hill and who else? Oh, Chuck D from Chuck PE D. kind of filling in for Zach and Rage Against the Machine, but no more. And, and Tom Morello was Not, a part of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Yeah, it, was yeah. Whole, it was Rage Against the Machine with those two as the lead, the lead singers. Yeah. And now no more. They broke up officially because Zach is back in the house. They're going to be playing Coachella next year. Apparently, they're going to be playing a couple of interesting, like I think Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. So it seems that they're coming out and playing certain places that are dealing with certain kind of issues. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Basically, Trumpism, rapist, ra- ra- I would say racists, but I said rapists because that Freudian relates slip. to Freudian slip because that relates to how we called our Latino brethren from beyond the border. But long story short, I guess they're going to kind of hit the ground running, A, get a check from fucking Coachella, and then B, kind of just, you know, do protest shit, which is kind of awesome. So the reason why I find this interesting is a couple of things. One, Rage Against Machine disappeared at a time where, you know, the country was going a certain way. I won't say necessarily a positive way, but generally there was some kind of balance of kind of like stability there. Obviously, in the, in the ensuing years, there hasn't really been. 
And so there's been a lot of things of where I, I you know, like it circles, like I really miss rage. You know, yeah. I kind of miss the, they were speaking truth to power, yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of interesting to see them kind of come back. So I saw a couple of things that I thought was interesting where there's a lot of critiques saying, well, you know, they, come back, they came back for Coachella. They're getting paid all these huge amounts of money, yada, yada, yada. Is that selling out? And then I dug deeper. This is the fucking third time they played Coachella. <laughs> and not only that, the, the last time was a while ago, but not a while ago. Like mm. for a quote unquote broken up band, they played in 2007, which is like, you know, years ago. But if you're a Coachella kind of booking acts, that 10 year gap is pretty much probably what you want to, you know, a goal you want to hit. You want to have, you know, Beyonce playing every two or three years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it kind of, and so I was thinking about it two ways. One is like, it's cool to have a, a, a band back that's basically A, hits as a band and B, is a political force. And also um, C, has like such a unique, like just have, like it's weird because what they were doing at the time, a lot of their peers sounds extremely dated, but they still sound very, very, very current. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like, let's say your 20 year old Coachella follower to go there and kind of get hit with rage for the very first time. The other thing I find very interesting is the idea of where is Coachella running out of acts? Ooh, that might be another podcast. Because yeah, my thing is the idea of where, again, 12 years is a long time, but not really a long time if you think about like like headliners for a show. Because you got to figure that, all right, it's only get into the weeds. So you got to figure your average concert goer. You know, if you're really into Coachella, you've got a small period of time, you know, going back to the Selena Gomez fan <laughs> of where you've got disposable income before she gets real, where you're moving on to your parents, you know, you got crazy bills, you start a family, yada, yada, yada. So you got to figure, you know, you probably go a couple of years in a couple of years in a row. So the idea of where like there's this gap, it's not a huge gap. It's not like they're bringing back like fucking, I mean, I, I was going to say the Beatles, but that's extravagant, you know, maybe they'll have holograms. The holograms. <laughs> But it's something where it's just like, oh shit, it's just like, this has kind of been there, done that. Like I said, it's the third time they've played. So it was just like, at a certain point, I'm going to hit a, a moment of where Coachella's going to pay bands to break up, only to resurrect them five years later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so counterpoint to that. First off, like, I don't know where I was 12 years ago. I've never seen Raging Against Machine play. I've always oh, wanted to. They're, I mean, um, and it, it's, it's easy to kind of say that, oh, they're, they're crazy, but... I'll say this much, a quick quick side story. So I saw them. It was Wu-Tang Rage Kiss Machine in fucking New Jersey. So basically, all I remember was that Wu-Tang shows up, again, hometown show, and RZA throws his jersey into the fucking crowd. Crowd is just going nuts trying to grab his jersey, and a brawl breaks out. Mm. So basically, like, the security comes, tries to stop the brawl. At that time, they had the really dumb choice of having separating the stadium into two spaces, where the front half is... General admission, no seats. Yeah. The back half, if you're a little bit washed, you know, late late twenties, you could sit down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you think about it, having chairs <laughs> that you can throw <laughs> at a Rage Against the Machine concert probably isn't the wisest choice. So, long story short, while security is rushing to stop the little mini fight that's happening over Riz's jersey because it was going ongoing for like let's say a good ten minutes. Uh, people start hopping from the stadium, like the, the, the bleachers, down into getting into the main area. So then they've got to divert. So now you've got these guys kind of brawling, not heavy brawling, but like, you know, let's say moshing, pushing yeah. for now a half-destroyed jersey, and these kids kind of making a run for the general mission area because there's enough space. So eventually Jersey Troopers show up, mm. but not enough. 
So there's like four or five of them kind of like stopping the kids and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so all I remember was rage goes on stage, the lights hits, and then flying chairs. <laughs> Show's over, lights come on, you just see chairs and gates everywhere, basically. They just fucking, because at a certain point, if you've got chairs flying and everything else, and only like five state troopers, maybe, maybe altogether a staff of, let's say, 15 guarding the floor. Yeah. But the floor itself has hundreds, and you've got thousands in the stands. You aren't stopping shit. So, fantastic show if you like chaos. Long story <laughs> But the funny thing is, so, so my, my former employer uh, did a show at South by this year. And I keep, I keep saying it was last year, but this year. And Tom Morello was, was one of the headliners. And Tom Morello's solo stuff is not that great. It's yeah, it's not it's not rage. It's not rage. Yes, but you know, like people were like, "Oh, it's Tom Morello." So like, we had a huge crowd show up, right? This dude will start playing riffs from like bombs, like uh, bombs on parade, and like all the the rage songs, and people will start going crazy. Like, oh snap! And then he'll he'll play like four riffs, and then go into his like his other like random crazy shit. <laughs> and it's like the biggest tease ever, dude. Yeah, but it's just like the fact, like, like yeah, I felt like, I wouldn't say like I felt like a little kid, but like when I hear him play those riffs, I'm like, oh snap! <laughs> this is like 13, 14, 15 year old me, like going crazy. Oh snap! Like yeah. Rage Against the Machine. I don't think there's been a band that's like like embodied the pure like like not obviously it's, it's filtered through politics, but I don't think there's any band that literally. The baseline, the guitar, Jack Shot Square is like literally. I've got to go fuck shit up. Yeah, like that that idea, yeah. that teenage angst. You're just yeah. like, oh, fuck you, mom. I'm, don't do it. Tell me type of shit. Yeah. So yeah, like like that wool wah wah pel and bulls on parade. Whoa, 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 whoa. And that's 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 it. That's it. Like I'm I'm gonna throw some chairs right now in your apartment. <laughs> no, I won't. Sorry, Erica. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. I will say that this is the perfect time for them to come back. It doesn't matter what they did 12 years ago because people like me now have disposable income. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. I, I can't front. I told my friends and they were like, maybe not Coachella, but could definitely do New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Like, like people like me are like, you know, we have a little, little paper now. So even if I couldn't see them, you know, 12 years ago, I definitely couldn't see them in high school. You know, I need to relive my childhood. So, I'm not surprised that they're coming back. You know, the 90s are hot. And, again, like, the 90s are hot because people in our demographic, like, we have money. And we want to, like, connect to nostalgia. So, I'm not, you know, I'm sure whoever the ma- their manager was or whoever, like, record label a and is like, hey, guys, you're hot right now. The 90s are hot. Look at all these artists coming back. There's a Lance Morissette Broadway play. Like, anything She's 90s. She's playing the Apollo. Check a little t- pill from what? beginning to end. I, I, I could only imagine, like, I kind of want to go to see that crowd because I could only imagine how, like, th- that's like the, the Breakup Rage Kiss Machine album. <laughs> but again, like, like all this shit is popping right now. I'm, I'm going to check Ticketmaster right now as we're, we're recording. <laughs> so all this shit from the 90s is popping right now. So it's like, it's a no-brainer. Like, it, it's... I'm really happy they're they're back together. <laughs> they might not be talking to each other, <laughs> but at least they're playing shows. Um, and you know, it, it is what it is. Like like 
I think this is like a very opportune time. Like you can't have Trump in office and not have Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, no. Or or honestly enough, you don't want to get enough credit for System of a Down. Yeah. I always thought the idea of where you've got this band that although I think one of them, the drummer, has gotten a little funny. I feel like he he's posted up a couple of MAGA stuff. Uh oh. But in general, you can't you had a band that was basically, you know, uh not necessarily Muslim, but some Muslim members. But definitely had the eye towards Middle East politics, kind of literally raging against the machine. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, they were on SNL talking about, you know, the bombing of Iraq, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they, you know, they were doing um, videos with Michael Moore. So it's kind of cool to kind of see that. I kind of miss that edge. And I think, and go back to the idea of where, not to be funny, it's kind of weird where like rock music has been pretty much silent. Very silent. Yeah, and like hip hop, very silent. Hip hop, I won't say necessarily picked up the, the 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 ball, but you know, like you have YG of all people who manages to say fuck Donald Trump in a song, where like you know, even as his music is not political, you know, I feel like hip hop has does a bit of job in general about saying, oh, we're doing the song about whatever it could be this topic, but I'll still throw in a bar saying fuck you, Giuliani. Yeah, I'll still throw in a bar saying fuck Donald Trump, yada yada yada. Where yeah. rock music has been pretty much kind of silent. And I, and I think there's an article, I think it was like a pitchfork or somebody like was out, like, like actually like calling out rock music. Because like, yeah, they are they are silent. And look, granted, rock music really doesn't exist in 2019. <laughs> True. But it was actually calling out like indie rock artists. Like, you know, you're supposed to be like your cool liberal Portland, whatever. Like, why aren't you stepping up? Yeah. Right. Particularly with the whole idea of where if if like you could make the like the like the sixties, right? So obviously you had rock music in the fifties, but it feels like the sixties was a formative space of where heavy metal, hard rock, folk became bigger than it's ever been. A lot of the genres that we kind of dabble in now, that is the, the the dinosaur is still walking the earth now as far as rock music is concerned. It came from the sixties, and the sixties was all about protests. It was protest music, so it's weird to kind of see you know Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping a record. <laughs> Coldplay's trying. He's they still trying to secure the black the bag, oh, man. I'll, I'll still, see, oh, I would see. Oh, I'd be awesome. Still trying to secure the bag. I want to see a Rage Kids Machine, Chris Martin type shit. You know, what I'm saying woke lyrics on the they piano. Got, they, they they try and get that MAGA Ooh. money. Try and get that. They try. You know, Kanye got the right idea. Try just get that MAGA money. Ooh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to <laughs> nobody coastal lease. We don't got any money anymore. Like we just paying all like all of our paychecks going to rent. Nah, so, man. I, get that I MAGA think, money. I think they're fucking up. I would love to see like like an angry and rage Coldplay and shit coming out there and smashing guitars on stage. Like, you, you were in a fucking Trump hat. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Chris Martin there slapping folks. You know what I'm saying? It'd be awesome. Chris Martin getting those checks in the back end. Nah, man. He could do it. I thought this is a trend. I'm going to call the Coldplay manager up right now and, and, and chart out the next, you know, they have a double album coming out. We're gonna drop one next year. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna ride this Rage Against the Machine wave. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna do something like, "Why is the country so like this?" Or like some like random on piano. It's all somber and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but uh, what else? Uh, Oh, the big, the big, the the real music news. You know, it's the money makers. Michael Jackson, apparently from Beyond the Grave, is still wheeling and dealing, and has bought up the Sly and the Family Stone. Basically, discography he owns the masters. It's his the estates, which is. I mean, look, Michael Jackson has a history of owning masters. Good for him, but you know, back in the day, it was like the big brouhaha uh, where he bought the Beatles masters from up under Paul McCartney's like nose, and pretty much made money off of that. And a lot of Beatles fans 
like essentially like were really pissed off about it. But I love the story behind that. Remember how it was like apparently like Mike, Paul McCartney was cooling him on the game? And then, like, you know, probably coked up because I, I could imagine Paul McCartney in the 80s only being coked up. <laughs> and then, like, later he was like, what the fuck, Michael? And then Michael was like, well, you told me to buy. <laughs> I just followed your advice, man. You know, you told me masters are it. So I just followed what you told me, man. Gangster moves. <laughs> Gangster moves. So, look, I mean, I guess there's precedent there. Michael from Beyond the Grave is like, I want to buy Sly. <laughs> I like Sly. Sly was always nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, I guess it is a little unprecedented, though. I mean, you, you know, like, it's very interesting. I'm reading a little bit more, and I'm hopefully reading the Prince book really soon. But, like, now you have these estates. They're making these deals and doing different things. And it used to be, like, the estates would just kind of, like, do these little licensing deals for music and, th- and things like that. But, like, Prince's estate made, like, a really interesting deal with, like, Pantone, which is, like, the color. Like, uh, Pantone is, like, kind of... Uh, they create an index like color. Yeah, the, the, the color gods. Yeah. They, 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 they decide what is color. Yeah. There's a grand council of color out there, guys. I decide every year to decide what will be the color yeah. of that year. And they like made a Pantone color for Prince. Oh, like, shit. Prince Purple. So like now you have these like estates kind of doing these really interesting deals like the Bob Marley estate. Um, headphones. Headphones and like, you know, CBD and things like that. So it's, it's like this is very interesting now. Uh, to see like these brand like these estates who just used to be like you know trusts basically with lawyers they're now brands and they're now kind of doing these like gangster moves like so yeah I'm, I'm i'm really i'm not mad at this this move and it seems like sly is down for it because sly apparently you, you were saying that yeah. didn't didn't own his masters and wasn't making that much money from it. Yeah, so. a couple of years ago there was a, like a lawsuit and he kind of lost where apparently they were saying that he didn't really own it. It was owned by somebody else, but apparently he co-signed his deal. So I'm assuming that somehow along the lines, the way this worked out, he, he, got, he got cut a check, which yeah. is, you know, awesome. Yeah, which is which is great. So, you know, if it's a way for him to get back, you know, get back some, some of the stuff that he lost... Um, yeah, as a way for him to, to you know, wasn't he like living in a car or something? Or like yeah, no, he in, had a, he had a couple, yeah, and then, an and then, and, and, like and the question was, I think he claimed to be destitute, but then you know he he was somebody he was always eccentric. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, but but yeah, so if if he's able to like get the paper, get the bag, you know, not mad, yeah. not mad at this whole situation. Yeah, no, it's 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 a win win, and, and and not obviously I don't want to make it too racial, but we will because we're two black men. I think the idea of where it's not like it's getting bought up by like fucking Scooter who owns fucking Taylor Swift's pastors, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like the idea of where there's a synergy there between like Michael Jackson and Sly Stone, and and obviously we don't know who owns it, but presumably it's black owned. So it's kind of cool to kind of see. Like these these black pieces of arts kind of held together. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of because I've been reading a lot about how like you know there's a lot of question within the museum world about how they have all these artifacts that aren't really owned by them that kind of plundered from past you know basically colonialism. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it been very easy and not, not and you know it's a thin line but the lines there of where you have this black art being created and that now it's a product and it's a commodity that normally you're you know you're a big entity apple music maybe trying to shore up their own things or amazon or you know maybe you know universal sony music scooping it up it's cool that you know in a weird way one black artist bought another black is is, is propping 
up another black artist's legacy. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, definitely. And and not to say that Michael Jackson's done the best with leveraging what's been happening in his world. He's got a lot of money. I'm pretty sure the estate's probably relatively well run. They were able to kind of sue that HBO documentary out of existence. <laughs> so it's it's kind of cool to kind of have the idea of where, you know, hopefully it won't be lost to like like the ashes. You know, like Sly Stone will still be known to young kids. And I feel like it's kind of unfortunate because Sly Stone is kind of known, but not really. Like I'm hoping that as time goes on, these kind of deals get made the same way I remember Quizlove was making an argument about a couple of years ago when Prince was alive, the fact of where Prince was so adamant against streaming, how he felt like there was a gap with a lot of the younger kids because they know YouTube, they know fucking Spotify, they don't yeah. know Prince. So I'm hoping that with these deals, go back to your idea of where they've got to leverage the deals, now the idea is not just to kind of grab it, hold on to it, give his descendants money. The idea is we've got to go out there, we've got to promote this brand, we've got to make this shit happen. Yeah. So it's going to be cool to have his music pop into a commercial. It's going to be cool to have it. And again, I get the idea. We're about the art. We're about the purity. Yada yada yada. But at the end of the day, we're in the fucking United States. It's, it's about the fucking check. Yeah, no, it's money so, to ma- be made. Yeah, money to be made, and the only way you could do it is by making money. So the idea of where, like, you know, some young kid can watch like a movie and then they have the scene where Sly Stone comes on. It's like, oh, this is a great fucking song, and he falls in love with it. It's a positive. It's not doing anybody's anybody any favor to have this art effectively locked away in a cage somewhere that only gets trotted out if somebody, some music director, is obscurely remembers the song and decides to put in the fucking thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. and, and, and I hope this like really inspires other rich black people to do the same thing. I yeah. hope this is, like, starts a trend or a movement. Oh, yeah, going back to the idea. Where, remember how I made mention about the, uh, how there's a whole like idea of where, you know, the Killmonger idea, where it's like, oh, how did you get this art in Black Panther? You yeah. got this art from stealing it. Like the, There's another side article I read a couple of years, not a couple of years, like a year ago, about how basically... Looks like there's some mysterious thieves stealing back Chinese arts that are in certain museums, and that it looks like it could be and or the Chinese government, obviously, but also Chinese like like rich people, like millionaires, billionaires who are just basically taking everything back. So I think the idea of where muddy waters, yeah, you know, all these old black artists who've kind of created this kind of like you know legacy. It'd be cool if, like, you know, black organizations were kind of in charge of it, as opposed to, like, again, these these multinational corporations where, you know, Aretha Franklin's discography is the same thing to me as, you know, a PlayStation is the same thing to me as a fucking washing machine. Yeah. And I don't think it necessarily should be. I think it should be treated with respect, treated like the art the way it is. And hopefully it's kind of a push to kind of go in and go in that direction where it's not just about getting your masters. It's about getting, you know, these these guys before you masters to kind of make sure it kind of stays in the quote-unquote diaspora family. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. And that's it. Props to them. Props to capitalism. Once in a while. <laughs> once, <laughs> once every 5,000 or so moves, a positive thing ends up happening. Bro, maybe we, positive. We, we live in a capitalist society. Yeah. Well, maybe like. not for long. You know, with the president in charge, it might all be nukes. It might all be glowing by next year. So, you know, there's always an upside. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, speaking of positive music, I'm listening to new music. New, new music. New musica. My new musica is going to be basically, you know, there's been a lot of, it's, it's getting colder. You know what I'm saying? I'm out there. You know, there was a couple days I had to go out there, put layers. You know what I'm saying? Layers in this bitch. I had to have a fucking a t-shirt. I had to have the fucking hoodie. I had to have the coat on top. I had to have the woolly hat. You know what I'm saying? I was waiting on a fucking scarf. It's getting to be that weather. And as a result, it's that music. <laughs> <laughs> that beautiful music that that like you know headphones up hoodie up looking at the ground about to mm. stab somebody in the face who looks at you wrong that kind of grind mm. music that new york city hip-hop <laughs> ah. <laughs> but anyway um long story short 
I kind of fell into a hole. It started off with, because you had a really big release th- this week where you basically had Earl Sweatshirt. You had, um, I don't know, which Pablo Juan, who I still like a lot, who's yeah. up and coming. He's up and coming, but could never actually make it across the line, it feels like rapper. You had uh, Gangstar drop their fucking record also, which is fantastic. I want to get into that also. Oh, and you had West Side Gun. It was, it was outside of Hoodrich, who obviously trappish. But like between Gangstar, West Side Gun, and Earl Sweatshirt, it's been kind of a interesting week for hip hop who's kind of sample based, if mm, you think about that's, it. That's what's up. Sample based and wordy, it's kind of been there. So I've kind of been in that kind of mode. Um, I saw off Gangstar, which um, as a Gangstar fan was, was definitely one of my favorite rap groups when I was younger. Their later era output was kind of like, ah. Uh, to me, yeah. and, not, and not in a bad way. It's the idea of where, you know, it was a natural slide. Gangstar had their first record, I believe, was either 90, period, or might have been 89. Dude, we just lost all yeah. the fucking hip-hop historians Ooh. who listen to this. I'm trying to think of, no, 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 no. I'm trying to think of the, when the but, first. Uh, that, I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah, because the thing is. We're furiously searching the first, Wikipedia. The first. Let me let's get as, as as we as we go. Like edit this out. Edit, we're gonna edit this out. <laughs> we will let it stand, my friend. That's we a funny thing. Stand, like... stand unapologetically. Eighty nine. No one. Mr. Nice Guy. Bam! I knew it. I knew it. Because the thing is, I'm trying to think back of what I'm trying to think of back of what they were wearing in the video. That's how I keep track of time. Close. Deep down inside, I'm a fucking Parsons FIT major. Way too much Project Runway in my life. But anyway, so you had they came out in '89. They they arguably they had you know they were they were primed for basically the golden era of hip hop. You had some great records in the in the early '90s, and then you know Hard to Earn is one of my favorite records of all time. Mm-hmm. And then kind of like you know right around full clip, I feel like you saw a step kind of getting like even though that's a great record, a great anthology, which is probably one of the best way to do it because you had a lot of old music and new music. Yeah, I felt a couple of steps. So the later era Gangstar albums didn't really hit me. What's interesting about this is I make an argument that it's probably better than even some of the later era gangster albums. Like it kind of picks off right where wow. everything left off, and it's it's the idea of where, and you know, a lot of the work Primo has done has been respectable. I've liked it, but I haven't loved it. Yeah, it's kind of cool listening to Primo like, oh, I'm doing like gangstar shit the way we were like, you know, all the scratches and everything. It's like, it's very, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. And even though apparently for a lot of the vocals, they rated like vocals he recorded when they weren't necessarily like working together because there was a little bit of acrimony there. Like it, they fit perfectly. Like it's, this is a really well produced album, man. I think it's a high mark as far as where, cause you have like guys like Lil Peep, Whatever releasing these post, post, you know, these post death albums where it's basically everybody's cobbling up together shit and having people together and yada yada yada. I remember a couple of years ago how they're gonna have fucking Drake do the a new Aaliyah album. <laughs> Thank God that died. But it's it's a long story short. The victory of this album is the fact of where it sounds like literally it was pulled from a gangster album obsession from like 1995. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's really just you know it's obviously and like I said it's, some some of it may sound a little dated. I get some of the critiques, but the fact that it sounds like a perfect capsule of what gangster is to me makes it a huge one. And you know that's a that's a huge risk for them. You know because I mean look it's 2019. Obviously, the sound of hip hop has changed. Yeah, <laughs> five times over. You know, it, I, there's been artists that have come out from that era with albums across the board, yeah. right? Not just like hip hop, but like in you know rock music, like whatever. Like you had your big like 25, 30 years ago, you come out with a new album, 
that's a huge risk, right? So props to them for yeah. like getting it right. Even even because I was debating somebody, remember like um like something like Cool G Rap. Even like a Cool G Rap was like five years. It's like suddenly he just kind of seemed you know from let's say the late '80s where he was ahead of the time to like let's say the mid '90s where you had this boom bap era it seemed like he kind of lost a step and that's just because of where it's kind of hard to kind of keep that high quality level going consistently. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy where, like I said, and I think even more so than cause tribe kind of pulled something similar, but even with tribe, I felt like there was a lot of updates to their sounds. Q-Tip has been very active musically. Yeah. So he was like, all right, let me take what's been happening. What I've learned over the decades, put it here. Primo was like literally, I don't know. He stopped in that time machine, found like the twenty-five-year-old Primo was like, "Bitch, yeah, making this record," and then they put this out together. So yeah, it's it's totally winning, definitely worth listening, especially if you're a fan of the era of hip hop. Alright, yeah, that's, that's what's up. Yeah. Cool. So what I'm listening to a young artist named Arlo Parks was recommended to me by the algorithm. The algorithm, my favorite. <laughs> the ghost in the machine. You know, like like. I press play on the Discover Weekly. I'm like, eh, you know, and uh, like really what got, grabbed me with this artist is her voice is like very warm. You know, like we hear like oh, somebody's voice and you're just like, oh, wow, this is like a little, like, <laughs> you know, like blanket. Yeah. You know, it's cold outside. Like, you know, like just this very like cool, like warm voice. Like, you know, just kind of amazing. Uh, just like vocal range and things like that um she's 19 um lgbt uh from london um like the, her bio is like oh i like Porter's head and earl sweatshirt which shouldn't make sense but actually i'd make an argument that they're kind of similar they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of similar in a, in a weird way and, and, and look Porter's head is like one of the like the most badass hip-hop of all time like at me um, but yeah, so, you know, you have this artist, you know, who is kind of R&B, kind of indie and kind of trip hop. And we, I, when I say that people are like, but it, it all kind of works. Like the production that she's, she's kind of created, you can tell, like, like you can hear the influences, but she puts a twist on it that it, it sounds original. You know, you can kind of hear some of the trip hop vibes, like nineties trip hop, but she's not trying to like ape that you know she's not just like like listening to youtube and like pulling like you know whatever and just like singing over it you know like she's reinterpreting like that whole genre and era um so it's really cool like and it's also it's kind of like a cream belly ray type vibe too all right uh, vocally so and it all works together you know um so i've been listening to like she doesn't really really have like a full ep yet she's just dropping like singles oh, no way on like soundcloud and spotify um and apparently she dropped like a single um on i think uh soundcloud and lily allen like like posted it on her instagram and now oh. she's like a lily allen affiliated which i don't know if that's that's still cool that, that's in 2019 hot, that's hot in the streets <laughs> <laughs> I'm down here with Lily Allen, you know what I'm saying? We're in the studio, smoking blunts, recording this new record. <laughs> Yo, Lily Allen's first album was gangster though. It's like the most gangster white girl album of all time. It's more going back to I feel like it was very Atlanta Atlanta Morissette. It was very much modern Atlanta, so, Atlanta Morissette. Yeah, but like less because Atlanta Morissette was all about like relationship focused. Yeah. I felt like Allen had a wider view where it's not just about bum bum dudes, it's about like, you know, life and everything else. She was I won't say woke. But it wasn't woke. I won't say feminist icon either. I feel like that's way too much of a stretch. It was definitely feminist in a way where, again, 
and we talk about this on the on the podcast where it's just kind of like you have this like white puritanical you know like oh yeah you know absolutely like model of what a pop star would be and Lily Allen's kind of like f that yeah and you know same with like Amy Winehouse and you know Billie Eilish we yeah. talked about you she know. came out in the era where like Britney Spears was still a popular artist so for her to come exactly. out like you know in baggy jeans on something like yo these dudes are so bum exactly yada, 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 like you know singing over 50 cent like you know she she like on her mixtape she was like 50 like, singing over 50 cent beats yeah you know so, uh, so yeah, like it's really cool for this for Arlo Parks, you know, to be affiliated with Lily Allen, I guess. Um, and now I, I think like like you know that is kind of boosted her career in this weird way. And the cool thing about social media, which I know I kind of hate, but she's also like you can you can kind of see her like reacting to it in real time, which is really cool. You know, it's like you're 19, you like okay. I, I'm going to sing something. I'm going to produce something. I'm going to put it on SoundCloud. And you have like one of the biggest artists in the UK, like co-sign you. And now you're affiliated with her. And so you're like, like, it's really interesting to kind of see that play out in real time on her, on her Instagram. Awesome. So, Good for her. Uh, so yeah, Arlo Parks, um, A-R-L-O, just search on Spotify. Like I said, she didn't have an EP. I, I don't think people do that anymore. They just drop singles. Yeah, on that Frank Ocean tip, just yeah, drop songs. Just drop singles. Hot oh, drops. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the Frank Ocean yeah. singles. But yeah, you just drop singles and then like maybe you like compile into an EP and maybe you get an album like a year down the road. So um yeah, I'll be I'll be checking her out. I have a second suspicion. The reason why I really brought it up, I, I think it's an album's coming. I have a second suspicion. Oh, yeah. Like and again, he's such a weirdo. And and I mean weirdo in a positive way. Oh, no, he's such an eccentric where I can imagine him saying, I'm just doing singles, but there's a lot of singles that dropped very quickly, and you know you don't you just let your singles breathe. You know, saying come out there, it's like yeah, let me drop it, mm-hmm. but let it let it let it sit there for a little, a little simmer. There's been so many singles in a, in, a, in a row that I'm assuming that it's, it's, it's part of a bigger rollout. Basically. Yeah, no, I mean like well, Frank, an album is definitely called cool. like you know you you don't do like just parties and stuff like that, and you know putting all this merch yeah. out without an album unless you're Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> So, but even then, that's, that's, but that's the thing. Even, even then, oh, we, we broke the rule. You fucking match this day. Oh. No, but I'm even going then, to hell. no, I'm yeah, going to heaven. Going, ah, high five. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, is the idea of where, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, speaking of Portishead slash Earl Sweatshirt, the last thing I want to talk about is Earl Sweatshirt. Okay. So, long story short, you know, years ago, there was a band called Odd Future who foretold that Steve Harvey was a bitch-ass motherfucker and he had to go <laughs> and buy that prophecy. Now, anyway, long story short, Earl Sweatshirt, we all know who he is, wordsmith, breakout rap star from Odd Feature. You know, if Tyler, the creator, is the production genius of the idea of, you know, alternative black kids kind of embracing the hip-hop side, Earl Sweatshirt is definitely the classic hip-hop lyricist out of all of them. His style's kind of evolved over the years where it was very nihilistic into very, like, introspective, and now he's kind of on a wave where there's a lot of similar dudes like it, where it's like, let's say, like he there's a, on his new EP, he's got a bar from a guy called Mavi, who's from um, DMV, who's like 20. You've got a dude like Mike he's down with. He's got Sam in the corner. You've got, and even like, you know, he's got Matt Kami on it, who does these kind of things, does these kind of things. I'll explain you these things. So long story short, I feel like there's a current movement in hip hop where they take these samples and like it's basically these dusty samples kind of looped where as opposed to traditional boom bap, sometimes there's not even any drums, 
but it's like a dark, ominous kind of sample. I'd probably make an argument that Alchemist is probably the first one I kind of heard kind of doing music like this, where it's just like, you know, again, obviously you have your Kings, like your RZA, your, your, your Kanye West once again, God damn it. But the idea of kind of taking this dissonant loop, this loop that doesn't necessarily fit, kind of looping it and it's having it be pure atmosphere, almost ambient in mm-hmm. a weird way, like this kind of movement. And kind of Earl Sweatshirt has kind of pivoted towards that more and more and more. Um, what's been weird about Earl is at least compared to his contemporaries, who at least kind of focus on like hooks <laughs> and melody and ideas, he's just gotten weirder and naughtier, which is very interesting because he's somebody where from his platform, he could easily do something similar like that and be huge. Yeah. Like, But he's somebody where he's just kind of taking it 100% in. So as a result, he dropped his new EP, um, Feet of Clay, Okay. Which kind of deals with his father's death still, kind of. Mm. So yeah, the first record was kind of like a fresh wound. Yeah. This one kind of deals with the like the depression of it, kind of a, a bigger space. And this is fucking naughty as shit. Enough where like the beats are just kind of. It's something where it's one of the few albums where I know people probably won't like it necessarily, not because it's bad. But because it's you have to sit with it, and I don't mean that because a lot of people be like on some like, look, I've got this album of just fucking fart sounds and fucking kittens and xylophone, and I've sampled fucking you know elephants dancing. So it's 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 experimental. You got it takes a while to sit with it. Not necessarily here. The thing is, Earl's doing so much, cramming so much in so much space, and it's so lyrical. It's kind of hard to kind of go through. But what I like about it is the fact that it's kind of hard to kind of go through. Mm. Where obviously his goal here, because again, he's got somebody like 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 the Mac Hami song, right? Mac Hami loves singing like fucking direct descendant. If there's a class of like most deaf Yaslin Bay singing, <laughs> <laughs> like Mac Hami is like a PhD in that shit. So basically his verse is pretty much a whole hook. And like it's the only hook probably in the whole album that kind of comes in there. And so it's the idea of where Earl Scorcher doesn't do hooks. He doesn't even do necessarily fucking callbacks to previous ideas. Yeah. It's just poetry, very dense poetry over these dark beats. And I, I just find it fascinating where you've got this kind of artist where you look at Tyler, where Tyler's kind of aiming not necessarily to be crossover, but like, look, I'm learning these chords. I want to be like Neptunes. Yeah. I want to make music that people dance to, people love to, people fuck to, people cry to. Where Earl Scorch is going in a whole other opposite direction, even even compared to his peers, where it's like, I'm just going to get weirder and naughtier and just more underground and more fucking just like kind of create art. And so I've been kind of rocking to that. It's been, what I love about it is the idea of where even though it's an EP, it's short, maybe it's 20 minutes. I feel like the songs aren't long. Mm. Maybe seven songs long, maybe 25. But like every time I hear it, I hear new bars like, oh shit, that's kind of crazy. And I, like I said, it's it's what I love about it is the idea of where you know, it's very easy to be lyrical. You know, ly- lyrical, miracle, you know, spiritual, da 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 What I like about the way a lot of these new dudes are tackling it of is where the wordplay is just so great. And it's not just people coming off witty lyrics. It's just ideas kind of flowing through. So even like another record I've listened to is West Side Gun. West Side Gun is down with Griselda related to Makami. All this shit literally is that we are grimy dudes from a grimy city who will duct tape you and murder your kids. Very simple, very easy. But even they, kind of, the way the kind of beast plays, the the way they kind of wrap around it, the topics they do, kind of builds a whole world. And kind of same thing with kind of Earl's raps, where it's just like, they're so insular where you kind of feel, like they make you feel depressed. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And and I kind of find that fascinating as far as a piece of art. Now, is it for everybody? No. Is it the best rap record of the year? No. Is it the best record Earl's done? Probably no. Probably say Doris, probably the most consistent, I think. 
Yeah. Or the first one. Or I, I'm Earl. actually or yeah. Earl. I'm, I'm, I'm probably partial. But it's kind of cool somebody kind of going for it where it'd be very easy for him not to go for it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if he called fucking Tyler the Creator up now, he'd have fucking a huge crossover album. But he's not. It's kind of cool kind of seeing him get even naughtier and kind of weirder and kind of pushing this kind of medium forward. So, you know, props to him. I like the record a lot. Cool. I will check it out. I know we talked about some rap songs on this podcast and we were a little bit indifferent about yeah. it or a little bit cool Oh, this is even it. weirder. Yeah. Okay. All right. But it's but like I said, it's the idea of where I, I think of that was, uh, like I said, it's, it's there's a lot of dudes, before it was different. Now there's a lot of dudes who are bubbling up on the underground that are kind of doing a similar thing. Not to say that Earl started it, but obviously it's a wave happening. He's aligned yeah. himself with some of, those, some of those cats also. But it's kind of interesting to see him kind of going even weirder. And that's what I kind of find fascinating, where it'd be very easy for him to kind of dial down a notch, have some hooks, and go nuts. Like the way a lot of these do. Benny the Butcher yeah. had a huge crossover fucking record this year. So it's not really that hard to kind of see that happening. But it's kind of cool for him to kind of get even naughtier, kind of weirder. And, you know, he's a young-ass dude. So it's going to be crazy to see, like, where these experiments take him when he decides to kind of drop a full-fledged project. Yeah. So props to him. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. And that's about it. On that for note. For our, I was going to say his word name again, but I will refrain for it. <laughs> for, for the Coldplay Appreciate, Appreciation Hour. Is it, all Coldplay all the time. Is he like the Lord? Is he like Yahweh? No, no, no. Where it's like all you can't, Cold, can't say. You know. I, I will not mention his name. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to praise Coldplay. who's going to drop a double album that will, that will have Jesus themes and gospel apparently. I'm making this all up just because why not? Nothing is real. Bro, like, I'm just like, really? Yeah, it'd be awesome. You know what? It's t- in 2019. I would not doubt Chris Martin coming out there for gospel album and shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Him and Kirk Franklin. <laughs> I'll be here for that, though. I'll be, it will be on the low. Because the thing is, Martin has some musical ideas, but he just drowns it out in his innate whiteness. Yeah. But Kirk Franklin is immediately just funky as shit. So those two together, I might, you know, I'm, I'm, let me. I'm, I'm gonna call up these connects. I'm gonna and, call up. I'm gonna call up some some high level fucking and, music execs. And, and I happen. feel like Kirk was was probably like Jones into being on the Kanye album and got kind of like screwed over for that. Yeah. So Kurt's ready. And it's a revenge. Come out here with a double album that's like all fucking like out gospels. This whole gospel, <laughs> like you know, you cross over to hip hop, but it's right there. But crossing over to bland Starbucks fucking rock music, that's a whole flex. You know what I'm saying? It's like Dude. yo, I'm bringing gospel down to fucking Minnesota, bitch. You know what I'm saying? MAGA country. Get MAGA that MAGA country. bag. You know what I'm saying? I'm Get out here. MAGA bag. Ooh, I got praise dancing happening here in the fucking Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, people, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.